Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. A judge in Indiana has unsealed more than 100 documents relating to the Delphi murder trial. Richard Allen was arrested last October for the 2017 killings of teenagers Abby Williams and Libby German. Since December, many of the documents in this case had been sealed due to a gag order from a judge. Caitlin Kendall with our ABC station in Indianapolis has the details discovered in the documents. Businesses in downtown Delphi still display these images, photos of the bridge guy that police say, and sketches of their suspect. They also have photos of Abby Williams and Libby German. It just speaks to the magnitude of how important this case has been for many people who live in Delphi. Judge Frengel unsealing those documents. Many people who were in Delphi today say it's a long time coming. We just have been kind of kept in the dark about a lot of things that, you know, maybe we could have, but we didn't want them to you know, blow the case. But ultimately, the judge deciding that the public should see 118 of the 136 documents that have been filed through the courts. The documents reveal the following. Richard Allen admitted to his wife in a jailhouse phone call to killing Abby and Libby several times. His wife hung up the phone. Then, after that phone call, authorities reported Allen started acting strange, including a time he tried to eat paper his attorneys gave him and refusing to sleep. We'll probably never really know what happened that day. We might, might hear it in court, speculated, but... Allen's defense team has been adamant that the admissions of guilt hold no substance, citing Allen's mental state. The documents also reveal for the first time how the girls died, saying an autopsy revealed their wounds were caused by a sharp object. Documents go on to say that the girls' clothes were found down the creek, but a pair of underwear and a sock was missing from the crime scene. I'll believe it when it's when it's when it holds up in court. Now those are just some of the highlights of the documents. If you would like to see all the 118 pages released today, you can head to our website. We have them posted on WHAS11.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed? I am your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media, Evergreen Podcast, and Killer Podcast production. I hope everyone has been enjoying the start of the summer. And for those in Canada and the Northeast, I hope you're hanging in there. It was another interesting week in the world of true crime. We finally have the ruling that the Idaho prosecution of Brian Koberger will be a death penalty case. If you recall, I had a current defense attorney and former prosecutor, Matt Mangino, on the show a while back, and we discussed whether or not this would be something that they would be pursuing. And again, we talked about this because it was unlikely since the state doesn't seem to put many people to death. In fact, only four people have been put to death in Idaho since the reinstatement in the early 1970s. However, with this being such a gruesome and ridiculously heinous crime, I wouldn't be surprised if this does end up in that category. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, because if he's guilty, he definitely fits the bill for execution. Now, let's move on to the biggest story of the week, 
and this was the unsealing of court records related to the murders of Libby German and Abby Williams, widely known as the Delphi murders. I have spoken about this case many times and even had a four-parter with Libby's sister, Kelsey. There is also an episode with Nick from True Crime Garage where we both interview her. And again, those are in my feed and are definitely worth checking out. So with these new documents, we have a clearer picture on what led the police to arrest Richard Allen for the crime. And I have to be 100% honest, these documents are probably not going to shine the best light on the investigation, as it seems some things were missed, but after you hear the motion, you can decide for yourself if they dropped the ball. So I'm going to read you the motion and not the 100-plus pages that were released. And remember, this is cop talk, so it may be a little dry, but it surely is intriguing stuff, and it definitely provides insight into the investigation. So the Delphi Court Docs date comes now the state of Indiana by Nicholas C. McClellan, prosecuting attorney for the 74th Judicial Circuit. While working the Delphi investigation, Carroll County Sheriff's Department Detective Tony Leggett developed information that Richard Allen was involved in the murders of victim one and victim two. The investigation shows the following, that on February 14th, 2017, Victims 1 and 2 were found deceased in the woods approximately 0.2 miles northeast of the Monon High Bridge in Carroll County. Their bodies were located on the north side of the Deer Creek at the time, and the trail was approximately a mile gravel trail that uh, led to the bridge. Now, again, this bridge was abandoned and it was a railroad trestle approximately 0.25 miles long spanning the Deer Creek and Deer Creek Valley on the southeast end of the trail. Now approximately 0.0 miles northwest of the trail from the northwestern bridge edge of the bridge is the Freedom Bridge which is a pedestrian bridge spanning State Road 25. Approximately 35 feet west of Freedom Bridge was former railroad overpass Old State Road 25, also known as County Road 300 North. The trail terminates just west of the the former railroad overpass. The majority of the trail is in a wooded area with a steep embankment on the south side of the trail. Now, the entirety of the trail and the location of the girls' bodies were and are located in Carroll County, Indiana. Through interviews, reviews of electronic records, and reviews of video at the Hoosier Harvest Store, investigators believe victim one and two were dropped off across from Mears Farm at 1.49 p.m. on February 13, 2017 by Kelsey German. The Mears Farm is located on the north side of County Road 300 north near an entrance to the trails. Video from victim 2's phone shows that at 2.13 p.m., victim 1 and 2 encountered a male subject on the southeast portion of the bridge. The male ordered the girls, quote, guys, down the hill. No witnesses saw them after this time. No outgoing communications were found on victim 2's phone after this time. Their bodies were discovered on the 14th of 2017. And that was just the day after. 
The video recovered from victim two's phone shows victim one walking southeast on the bridge while the male subject wearing the dark jacket and jeans walks behind her. As the male subject approaches the victim one and two, one of the victims mentions quote-unquote gun. Near the end of the video, the male is seen and heard telling the girls guys down the hill, and then the girls proceed down the hill, and the video ends. The still photograph taken from the video and the guys down the hill was released to the public as a way to try to determine who this offender was. Now, the victim, this is where it gets a little, you know, unfortunate. Victims one and two uh, deaths were, were ruled a homicide. Clothes were found in the Deer Creek belonging to victim one and two, south of where their bodies were located. There was also a 40 caliber unspent round less than two feet away from victim two's body between victim and victim, victim one, victim two's body. The round was unspent and had traction marks on it. Now, interviews were conducted with juveniles, RV, BW, and AS, and of course, we're protecting their identities. They advised that they were on the bridge trail on the day that uh, Abby and Libby were, and they advised that they were walking on the trail toward Freedom Bridge to go home when they encountered the male walking from Freedom Bridge toward the Manan High Bridge. A.S. described the male as, quote, kind of creepy and advised he was wearing like blue jeans and a light blue jacket. His hair was gray, maybe a little brown, and he didn't really show his face. She advised that the jacket was canvas type and RV advised that she said hi to the male, but he just glared at them. She recalled him being an all black or something like that. And something was covering his mouth. Now she described him as not very tall, but with a big build. She said that he was not bigger than, I don't know, five foot 10 RV advised that he was wearing a black hoodie, black jeans and black boots. Uh, she stated his hands were in his pockets. Now, of course, these don't necessarily line up. BW did show investigators photographs that she took on her phone while she was on the trail that day. And the photographs included the photo of the, the Monon High Bridge taken at 12.43 p.m. and another one taken at 1.26 of the bench east of the Freedom Bridge. BW advised that she, after she took the photo of the bench, they started walking back toward Freedom Bridge. She advised that's when they encountered the man who matched the description of the photograph taken from Victim 2's video. BW described the man she encountered on the trail as wearing blue or black windbreaker jacket. She advised the jacket had a collar and he had his hood up from the clothing underneath the jacket. She advised that he was wearing baggy jeans and was taller than he wa she was. She did say that her head came up to approximately his shoulder. She said that RV did say hi to the man. He said nothing back. She said that she was walking or he was walking with a purpose like he knew where he was going. She stated he had his hands in his pockets and kept his head down. She advised she did not get a good look at his face but believed him to be a white male. The girls did say that after encountering this individual, they continued their walk across Freedom Bridge and the old railroad bridge over Old State Road 25. 
Investigators spoke with Betsy Blair, who advised she was on the trails on that same day. Video from the video, as I mentioned, the video from the Hoosier Harvest Store captured Betsy's vehicle traveling eastbound at 1.46 p.m. towards the entrance across from the Mears Farm. Betsy advised that she saw juvenile females walking on the bridge over Old State Road 25 as she was driving underneath on her way to the park. Now, Betsy advised that there were no other cars parked across from the Mears Farm where she parked. She advised she walked to the Monon High Bridge and observed a male matching the one from Victim 2's phone. She described the male that she saw as white, wearing blue jeans and a blue blue jacket, blue jean jacket. And again, she was stated that she was standing on the first platform of the Monon High Bridge. Again, this was approximately, I don't know, 50 feet from her. She advised that she turned around at the bridge and continued her, her walk. She had, did say that she approximately was halfway between the bridge and the parking area from across Mears Farm when she passed two girls who were walking towards the Monon High Bridge. She advised that she believed the girls were victims one and two. Video from the Hoosier Harvest Store shows at 1.49 p.m. a white car matching Kelsey Germans traveling away from the entrance across from the Mears Farm. Betsy did say she finished her walk and saw no other adults other than the male on the bridge. Her vehicle is seen on the Hoosier Harvester video at 2.14 p.m. leaving westbound from the trails. She advised the police that she was leaving a uh, noted vehicle that was parked in an odd manner at the old CPS building, which was Child Protective Services. She said it was not odd for vehicles to be parked there, but she noticed it was odd because of the manner in which it was parked, because it was backed in near the building. Investigators received a tip from Terry Wilson, in which he stated he was on his way to Delphi on State Road 25 around 2.10 p.m. that February 13th, and he observed what he thought was a purple PT Cruiser or a small SUV vehicle parked on the south side of the old CPS building. He stated it appeared as though it was backed in to conceal the license plate of the vehicle. Betsy and Terry both drew diagrams of where they saw the vehicle parked and their diagrams generally matched as to the area where the vehicle was parked and the manner in which it was. Wesley McWhirter advised he remembered seeing a smaller, dark-colored car parked at the old CPS building. He described it possibly as being a smart car. Now, Mr. McWhirter's vehicle is seen leaving at 2.28 p.m. on that same Harvest Store video. Investigators then spoke with Sarah Carbaugh, who stated that she was traveling east on 300 North on February 13th, and she observed a male subject walking west on the north side of 300 North, away from the Monon High Bridge. Sarah advised that the male subject was wearing blue-colored jacket with blue jeans and was muddy and bloody. Now, she further stated that it appeared he had gotten into a fight. Investigators were able to determine from watching the video from the 
same Harvest Store video, that Sarah Carbar was driving and traveling on County Road North 300 at approximately 3.50 p.m. Through interviews, electronic data, photographs, and video from the Hoosier Harvest Store, investigators determined that there were other people on the trail that day, and after 2.13 p.m., those people were interviewed, and none of those individuals encountered the male subject referenced above. They did witness the juvenile girls, Betsy Blair and Sarah Carbaugh. Now, further, none of those individuals witnessed victims one and two. Investigators receiving and reviewing prior tips encountered the narrative from an officer who interviewed Richard Allen in 2017. The narrative stated, Mr. Allen was on the trail between 1.30 and 3.30 p.m. He parked at the old Farm Bureau building and walked to the new Freedom Bridge. While at the Freedom Bridge, he saw three females. He noted one was taller and had brown and black hair. He did not remember the description, nor did he speak with them. He walked from the Freedom Bridge to the High Bridge. He did not see anybody, although he stated he was watching a stock ticker on his phone as he walked. He stated there were vehicles parked at the High Bridge trailhead. However, he did not pay any attention to them. He said he did not take any photos or video. So there was a note in there that said that potential follow-up information. Ask him who were these three girls in the area of Freedom Bridge. So investigators, again, believe Mr. Allen was referring to the former Child Protective Services building as there was not a Farm Bureau building in the area, nor had there been. Investigators believe the females he saw included RV, BW, and AS due to the time that they were leaving the trail, the time he reported getting to the trail, and the descriptions the three males gave. The females gave. Investigators discovered Richard Allen owned two vehicles, and one was a black Ford Focus, and another one was a gray Ford 500, and Investigators observed the vehicle that resembled Allen's. It was a 2016 Ford Focus on the Hoosier Harvestor video uh, around 2 p.m. traveling westbound on County Road North 300. And again, that was in front of the Hoosier Harvestor. And this coincided with his statement that he arrived around 1.30 p.m. So I guess it would have been about 1.20 p.m. So investigators note witnesses described the vehicle parked at the former CPS building as a PT Cruiser, small SUV, or a smart car. Investigators believe that those descriptions are similar to nature, in nature to the Ford Focus. Now on October 13, 2022, Richard Allen was finally interviewed again by investigators. He advised that he was on the trails on February 13th, 2017. He did state again that he saw the juvenile juvenile girls on the trails east of Freedom Bridge and that he went on the Monon High Bridge. He further stated that he went out and went to watch fish. Later in his statement, he said he walked out to the first flat platform on the bridge. He would then state that he walked back, sat on a bench, and on the trail, then it left. And again, he stated that he parked his car on the side of an old building. He told investigators that he was wearing blue jeans, and 
a blue or black Carhartt jacket with a hood. He advised that he may have been wearing some kind of head covering as well. He further claimed that he saw no one else except for the juvenile girls he saw east of the Freedom Bridge. He told investigators that he owns firearms and they are at his home. Richard Allen's wife, Kathy Allen, also spoke to investigators. She confirmed that Richard did have guns and knives at the residence. She also stated that Richard still owns the blue Carhartt jacket. On October 13, 2022, investigators executed a search warrant. Again, 2022, of Richard Allen's residence at 196 North Whiteman Drive in Delphi, Carroll County, Indiana. Among other items, officers located jackets, boots, knives, and firearms, including a Sig Sauer Model P226 40 caliber pistol with a serial number 625627. Then on October 14th, 2022, and on, well, this was between the 14th and the 19th of 2022 in October, the Indiana State Police Laboratory performed an analysis on Allen Sig Sauer. And the laboratory performed physical examination and classification of the firearm, function test, barrel, and overall measurement, test firing, ammunition, characterization, microscopic comparison, yada, yada, yada. Now, the lab determined that the unspent round located within two feet of victim's two body had been cycled through Richard Allen's Sig Sauer P226, the laboratory stated. An identification opinion is reached when the evidence all be in agreement of class characteristics and sufficient agreement of individual marks. Sufficient agreement is related to the significant duplication and random striated impression impressed marks as evidenced by the correspondence of pattern or combination of patterns of surface contours. The interpretation of identification is subjective in nature and based on relevant scientific research and the reporting examiner's training and experience. Investigators then ran the firearm and found that the firearm was purchased by Richard Allen in 2001. He did voluntarily come into the state police post on October 26, 2022. This is where he spoke with investigators and stated that he never allowed anyone else to borrow his Sig Sauer gun. Hmm. When asked about the unspent bullet, he did not have an explanation of why the bullet was found between the bodies of victims one and two. He again admitted that he was on the trail, but denied knowing the victims, denied having any involvement in their murders. Carroll County Sheriff's Department Detective Tony Leggett has been part of the investigation since 2017. He had an opportunity to review and mine evidence gathered in the investigation. Detective Liggett, along with the other investigators, believe the evidence gathered showed that Richard Allen is the male subject in the video from victim two's phone, and he's the one that forced the girls down the hill. Further, that the victims were forced down the hill by Richard Allen and led to the location where they were murdered. Through the statements and photographs of the juvenile females and the statement of Betsy Blair, RV, BW, and AS, were at the southeast edge of the trail at 12.43 p.m. east of Freedom Bridge at 1.26 p.m. and walked across the former, trail, rail, former railroad overpass over Old State Road 25 at 1.26 p.m. and before 1.46 p.m. 
They walked the entirety of the trail and observed only one person, an adult male. Betsy Blair's vehicle can be seen on video. And again, she described the male in similar manners, wearing similar clothing. And this led investigators to believe that all four saw the same male individual. Investigators believe the male observed by Betsy Blair and all these other uh, anonymous witnesses was the same male depicted in the video. Furthermore, victim two's video was taken at 2.13 p.m., and Betsy Blair saw only one male while she was on the trail from approximately 1.46 to 2.14 p.m. So investigators believe Richard Allen was the male seen by Betsy and everybody else. Richard Allen told investigators he was on the trail from 1.30 to 3.30 that day. Video from the store shows the vehicle that matches the description of Richard Allen's passing at... Uh, 1.27 p.m. Now, the clothing he told investigators he was wearing matched the clothing of the victim of the male in the victim two's video. So, again, we're getting into some really small, nitty-gritty details. It's getting a little monotonous, but let's just finish up here because it is interesting and it does give you a little bit more of an idea of what these uh, investigators have to deal with. So, a male subject matching Richard Allen's description was not seen on the trail after 2.13 p.m. Investigators identified other individuals on the trails or CR 300 North between 2.30 and 4.11. None of those individuals saw a male subject matching the description of Richard Allen on the trail. Furthermore, Richard Allen stated that he only saw three girls on the trail and that those investigators believe were... R-V-B-W-N-A-S. Investigators believe Richard Allen was not seen on the trail after 2.13 p.m. because he was in the woods with victim one and two. An unspent 40 caliber round, again, was found between the bodies and was forensically determined to be cycled through Richard Allen's Sig Sauer. Investigators were able to determine that he had owned it since 2001, and again, we're just kind of going over this information again. It's just being re-investigated. And uh, it's kind of really frustrating, you know? I mean, you listen to this stuff and you you hear how he was basically in the crosshairs of the investigators right off the bat, but they just didn't follow up. I don't really understand. So I'm at a loss but everybody's got their reasons but the fact that you know certain people said they saw him and he was muddy and bloody and i know it's just really weird it's weird so investigators believe richard allen committed this kidnapping which resulted in the killing of victim one and two and now this was from their prior conclusions investigators believe richard allen was the male depicted in the video saying guys down the hill they believe Richard Allen was carrying his Sig Sauer model on that day, and he cycled the round matching the firearm, which was located within feet of victim two's body. They further believe he was carrying the Sig Sauer from the audio from victim two's video, in which investigators believe they heard the word gun. So investigators believe after the time victims one and two were removed from the bridge by Richard to where their murders occurred. Charges were filed against Richard Allen on October 28, 2022 for murder. 
Once Richard Allen was taken into custody, he was moved to the Westville Correctional Facility, which is part of the Indiana Correctional uh, Department of Corrections. For safekeeping, he was put in protective custody. When he entered the facility, uh, logs indicated that he would leave his cell and yada, yada, yada. He basically was being seen by medical providers, mental health specialists, basically just to evaluate his physical condition and monitor his mental health. Now, Richard Allen also had the ability to use a tablet in his cell to send text messages, make phone calls, and listen to music. Upon his arrival, he was placed on suicide watch. Again, the facility reports that he was doing well and that there were no issues or concerns. Now, his day-to-day demeanor was that he was quiet, he read a lot of books, did crossword puzzles, and exercised daily. Now, this is where things get pretty shady. On April 3rd, 2023, Richard Allen made a phone call to his wife, Kathy Allen. In that phone call, Richard Allen admitted several times that he killed Abby and Libby. And investigators had the phone call transcribed, and the transcription confirms that Richard Allen admits that he committed the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German. He admits several times within the phone call that he committed the offenses as charged. His wife, Kathy Allen, quickly hangs up. Soon after, attorneys for Richard Allen filed an emergency motion uh, for safekeeping. In that motion, the defense stated that Richard Allen's mental state had declined because Westville Correctional Facility is unfit and then he should be moved. However, this was determined not to be the case. So he was at one point wetting down paperwork and had gotten his attorneys that he had gotten from his attorneys and he was eating it. He was refusing to eat anything else and did not sleep. He would go on days on end without sleeping. And again, he is not made a phone call since April 3rd, 2023. On April 14, 2023, he was evaluated and determined he did not need involuntary medication and did not need to be moved. So once all this stuff happened and he was told he had to basically stay where he was, he began to eat again and began to sleep normally if there is such a thing in a prison. So, investigators believe that there's video evidence that will include his admissions plus his behavior prior to the admission and directly after. Investigators also believe logs kept of his daily routines are important to determine when in his cell and when he was removed and the reasons he was removed. Further, any records of physical exams or mental evaluations will be important to determine the state of his mental and physical health. This information is needed to refute allegations made in defense's emergency motion. Now, again, the evidence is also necessary to refute allegations of diminished mental capacity and other possible defenses. It may also be important as the state introduces additional evidence gathered, including admissions made by Richard Allen himself. Investigators believe all this information is important in the continued investigation of the murder of Abigail Williams and Liberty German. For these, reason, for these reasons, the state is requesting the employment records of Richard Allen as specified in the attached subpoena, blah, 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 blah. 
This request is made for the purpose of an investigation regarding murder and pretty much wraps up with the state of Indiana has contacted defense counsel of Richard Allen and defense counsel has not informed whether or not they consent or object to this subpoena. And it pretty much wraps up there and it says, wherefore the state of Indiana by Nicholas C. McClellan, prosecuting attorney for the 74th Judicial Circuit, uh, request da, 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 da. just a bunch of uh court talk so basically concludes uh respectfully submitted nicholas mcclellan so what we have here guys is a whole lot of uh, not much <laughs> like we can say that libby and abby were killed with a sharp object they weren't killed with a gun. Uh, we can determine that the evidence to put Richard Allen behind bars was there from the beginning, which, of course, it is, but it was overlooked by investigators, which I don't know why. This is something that is going to be looked at and scrutinized, I am very sure, and I am sure I am one of a thousand podcasts that are doing this episode about the court documents so again my opinion is they kind of dropped the ball i feel for the families because that is a long time to wait for any bit of justice and the fact that they did such a i guess not the best job of following up on some of these investigation tips or interviews or whatnots i mean they're kind of um i don't know it's just you determine for yourself what you think my thought is they could have done a better job but i'm not a police officer i'm not an investigator i'm not a detective i'm a podcaster and that's it so those are my two cents this is what the court released there are lots of documents out there on the internet. If you want to learn more about this case, go back and listen to the episodes that I did with Kelsey. Those are going to be the most informative. I mean, those are right from her mouth. And she tells the story better than anybody. So check them out. Uh, again, those are in the Who Killed feed. And I believe there are either four or five episodes. So definitely worth checking out. And... Thank you so much for listening this week. I know this was a dry episode as far as what kind of information was out there, but this is the kind of stuff that you kind of need to know if you're going to make an opinion on something. So I'm glad that they released this information. I'm glad it wasn't too graphic. It does state some things that we worried about, but I'm not going to dwell on because that stuff is the stuff of nightmares and we don't need to do that so again like i said thanks again so much for tuning in this week as always i drop new episodes every friday and if you want to follow me on instagram you can do so at slow underscore and that's minus the w s l o underscore burn media and if you want to follow me on twitter the cesspool that it is you can do so at bill huffman three so Feel free to follow me, and again, thank you again for everybody tuning in, and as always, until next time, 
stay healthy, and be safe. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.